welcome to Small Talk No More. Today, I've got Paul Pacifico with me. Hello, Paul. Hello, good morning. Hello, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, so, Paul, just to kick it off, would you like to start telling us who Paul is, what your experience is, and what takes you to work with independent labels? Sure, thank you. So, uh, I've had a really strange uh, career that sort of meandered into lots of different things. So I grew up in a family of musicians. I always played music um, mm. and intended to be a musician. Uh, and then I uh, got sidetracked into the corporate world and went into like mm. banking and strategy consultancy. And wow. after about nearly 10 years, I remember thinking this really isn't what I wanted to do or where I wanted to be. So I left, uh, set up a music business um, and really mm-hmm. just got back into it that way. Started uh, putting on gigs, uh, started, uh, we developed a kind of um, collective of really top session musicians mm-hmm. and the work just just grew and grew. Um, but I really didn't feel like I was in the music industry. I felt I was just doing my own thing uh, uh-huh. with music, but I really didn't feel connected to the, like, the, the proper industry, felt very weird and impenetrable. And then... I guess years into it, I started to connect with more and more people and we started to mm-hmm. overlap with more and more different projects. And, and, and I guess I ended up suddenly feeling like I did feel part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when I got more and more involved with the advocacy uh, part. Um, so really mm-hmm. with the growth of the birth of streaming, I was a really strong advocate for streaming in the early days. I could see that the problem mm-hmm. wasn't streaming itself. It was the scale of the revenues and that we had to help yeah. grow it. Um, so there we go. I became chief executive of the Featured Artist Coalition, which represents artists in the industry. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, helped helped found uh, the international artist organization that reached out to different artist organizations around the world. Um, and through that, really, I guess, uh, because I've worked on both sides as an artist, but also having built my own business, I guess mm. the, the bit that really fascinates me is the where they interface, the the meeting point of kind of the culture and the commerce. Um, Mm -hmm. And AIM really is a community of entrepreneurs in music. So you have everything from independent labels and distributors to a lot of self-releasing artists. Um, And when they um, asked me if I would consider applying to be CEO there, it suddenly really, I guess, um, brought all of those threads together. So for me, it's fascinating yeah. because it's really where a lot of debate is happening about how the the future of the industry work in a healthy way. And it's a real community mm-hmm. of, I guess, social entrepreneurs. So there's a lot of um, debate about the ethics of, um, you know, the music industry for sure, but society as, at, at large um, mm-hmm. and our role in um, fostering good causes and helping promote and give platforms to underrepresented voices whilst also trying to figure out how to build commercial businesses so it's it's, a, it's really interesting and fun and it feels it feels like it feels like you know genuinely it's important work no that's fantastic can i can i just really uh, um, really quickly ask you what was it that made you feel like a misfit when you were you already had your business in in the music business, but you still felt like a misfit. What what yeah. was it that was making you feel like this? I think for me, because until you get deeper and deeper into the industry, for, as an outsider, 
you can often mm. just see the industry as like the major labels and the big gigs and they it just feels impenetrable it feels very corporate very big yeah um and and i guess it took me a long time to find the bit in the middle so you've got the, the really grassroots stuff and then you've got the big mega stuff and what you don't, what isn't obvious from the outside, I think, is that middle ground of people who are doing well, they're building really interesting, good businesses, and you just, mm-hmm. they're difficult, they're sort of more difficult to find, they're a little more hidden, and it just, it takes time. So I, mean, I would I would say to anyone coming into the industry these days, first of all, it's, it's a different time, and it's easier to mm-hmm. see everything, there's a lot more access in general in life. Um, but it does take time, and you've got to persevere, and you've got to put yourself out there, um, and just, just keep going. All right. Um, so, Paul, if uh, you don't mind, I'm going to be asking you a few questions so then uh, we can get to know you a little bit more and okay. listen, get to know who Paul is. Really quick questions with really quick answers. So are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Cool. Let's do this. So, number one, what's your favorite song? That's never a quick answer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's, I, I love you know listen I, uh, my foundations are all in roots music so I love yes. uh, blues I love reggae I love soul I love uh, a whole bunch of stuff but then equally you know with the AIM community I get exposed to so much different music that it, it, it's impossible to answer I start to feel every time like I'm working too consciously at trying to figure out what my favorite song is and it all becomes complicated so I'm going to duck that question but. Oh no! Okay. <laughs> uh, cool. Next one. It's cats or dogs. Both. Uh, we so at the moment we have uh, three abandoned cats that we adopted, and we've had oh, wow. those for a few years now, maybe three years. And so far, I think over the last year, we've fostered six puppies that were abandoned, um, and we've kind of resocialized them. And we because we've got cats and kids and a busy house. Yeah. Um, it's a nice environment to re-socialize abandoned puppies, get them used to families, get them kind of, you know, settled. And then we, then we find, we work with the charity to find permanent homes for them. So. Wow, that's fantastic. Wow, congratulations, man. That sounds really, really good. Thanks. Um, cool. Would you prefer exploring the bottom of the ocean or outer space? Okay. Uh, I think, I think for me, it's going to be the ocean because, uh, many years ago, uh, I was briefly a biology student at university, and um, I'm very interested oh, in all that also stuff. Also a biologist. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, exploring the ocean floor, it's more, it feels more connected to life. Not, not wanting to say the truth isn't out there, but it feels mm. like it's more <laughs> connected to life. Cool. And next, uh, an- another question about music. What's the best gig you've been to? Okay, that one I can answer. Um, I had a midnight call one night years ago to get me down to Coco in Camden to see Prince and seeing him like the gig started at one or two in the morning. He played for about three hours. I had an access all areas pass. I was right in a box over the stage and it was very memorable. Wow. Insane. (laughs) And what's been the worst gig you've been to? Ooh. Do you know, I, I, th- I can't 
think of a gig and this isn't a political answer but i can't think of a gig that i've actually hated like there are gigs i've been to where i've been a bit you know it hasn't been the best but i can't think of a gig that i came away and felt gosh there's two hours of my life i won't get back (laughs) okay i think that's a good answer avoiding controversy so it's uh... Uh, cool. Question about movies and TV. Uh, Walter White or Jesse Pinkman? Who do you relate to the most? Uh, right. Okay. So a confession. I haven't seen the whole of Breaking Bad, but I have seen a bit. I've seen like okay. some of the first series or something. Um, and um, and I feel I feel um, I feel like I've got a bit of both of them in me. Don't we all? I mean, you know, they're sort of, and it felt like their characters, I haven't seen the end, so I don't know what happens, but it felt like their characters were converging, right? Yeah, they they change a lot. Yeah, so I would think, I would think, I'd like to to feel in my role at AIM and this phase of my life, I have a bit more Mm. of the kind of mentor kind of aspect to what I'm doing, which would imply Mm. going in one direction. But then at the same time, I don't feel like I'm completely settled. So, so yeah, still, still have some rough rebel. edges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's, I think that's a really good answer. Um, now, a bit of controversy there. Uh, let's see if we can get it. What's your least favorite Avenger? Oh, my. Oh, this one I can answer. Okay. Uh, easy, easy, easy. Captain America. <laughs> Captain America. What is Captain America about? I've never, really? I've never got it. I've never got it. It just, to me, it just feels like... He's the like... first Avenger. Yeah, but it's just blatant like nationalist propaganda fair enough yeah okay he's not a proper superhero i'm sorry he's not a proper superhero he's just a kind of you know propaganda machine fair enough sorry cool no no no, 100 like i totally agree with this i didn't really see it that way but i i could i can he's called captain america for goodness sake that's yeah. What, can you imagine? Can you imagine we had? Can you imagine we had what Lieutenant Britain? Imagine there was you know General France. <laughs> Come on, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I guess only Americans would do that. Only Hollywood would would better get Colonel Spain. Yeah. Oh no, please. No, we had one, and no, <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> Not again. Uh, Just a quick note, uh, for those that don't know, I am originally from Spain and Paul has a wonderful life living in the east coast of Spain, um, for what I'm quite jealous. Um, So, okay, let's move on to uh, our final question to lead into the main part of the interview. So last question is, what's the best thing about working with independent music? Oof. Um, uh, uh, um, if there's one thing I would say, it's got to be the people. Because, you know, mm-hmm. they're fiercely independent. It means that, you know, there's a lot of people with strong characters. They're not afraid to show their character. Uh, there are a lot of owner-operated businesses. So they, they make their decisions. They put their money where their mouth is. They're not trying to be a load mm-hmm. of corporate suits. And I think that shows through uh, on both the commercial and the creative sides of the business. Um, and I think it shows through in the artists that are part of the community as well as the label owners and all the people that work mm. there. There's a, there's a set, it's, it's people of passion, people with mission. That's what makes it really fun. That sounds cool, actually. So 
Now, talking about that part of your work, what's been the biggest impact that, you, that you've seen from your perspective um, during this time uh, of the pandemic? I, I think the worst impact is it has enhanced the already very present feeling of social injustice that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. You know, okay. the, the very biggest businesses have big catalogs uh, and streaming revenues have continued to flow uh, and they're going to be able to survive this. Yeah, with mm-hmm. with some ease. Um, the, the smaller businesses and particularly in the independent community, you've got people wearing multiple hats to make their business work. So they're very reliant on live, which, uh, you know, yeah. of course, has been the most heavily hit part of the industry. It's going to be mm-hmm. with the first to close is going to be the last to reopen. So a lot of the cash flow to, re- to invest in recorded music comes from their live businesses. Uh, yeah. And that's been shut off. And if you don't have a really big catalog that generates enough streaming revenue, you're really in trouble. And, and I think uh, I'm very worried that the outcome of coronavirus is going to be even more um, cultural homogenization because all of, this, mm. all of the kind of cool independent businesses will have been really weakened. And, yeah. and if they don't have options in terms of how to rebuild their business coming out of corona, they're, they're going to be vulnerable to takeover. Um, and, and I'm worried that the biggest, the big businesses in our sector are just going to buy up a load of cool indies on the cheap um, yeah. and just suck the soul out of them. So Sorry. Do you, do you, no, no. Like, <laughs> that's a bit harsh. I think it's a very fair point. It's, it's a very fair point. But um, have, you, have you noticed from either your members or, you know, independent businesses that don't, you know, they're not part of AIM? Have you seen maybe that they've, um, you know, made a lot of a team redundant or they closed? Like, what, what's been the, the, the statistics there? Have you, have you seen lots of businesses closing or, or the support from the government has helped them to keep going at least for a few more months? Mm. What, what, what's been your experience there? Listen, I think, I think the government react response, bearing in mind the difficulty that they must be in and the timetables that they've been trying to work to, I think the government response has been actually pretty good. I think the, um, you know, that their first attempt at launching a loan scheme, this Sybil's loan scheme, didn't work at all. They recognised mm. that. They came back to the table with the bounce back loan scheme. That that has worked, I think, very effectively. Um, yeah. The self-employed support uh, was good, but it just took too long to kick in. And inevitably, there are gaps between these schemes. There are people that fall between the gaps. Um, I've seen in the AIM community many businesses, literally they're just they're spending all their reserves, all their money trying to keep people going, to keep their teams together, to keep their um, uh, contractors supported wherever they can. Um, mm-hmm. And I think um, it's been really interesting to see that minimal redundancies, redundancies are starting to kick in because the uh, furlough yeah. scheme is is starting to wind down now um, and change. We will see mm-hmm. more redundancies, I fear. Um, but it's been incredible to see everyone pull together and try and support each other. And you know, for example, the ability to launch the AIM Crisis Fund, um, the yeah. fact that lots of our members and partners put money into a fund to help out not not just the labels themselves, but also the contractors who've lost work. So the, the guitar yeah. techs, the sound engineers, the lighting engineers, the, the managers and tour managers and, and emerging artists who've been left you know, really with nothing. 
Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's been it's been a really difficult, challenging, trying, stressful time. But at the same time, you know, in the worst of times, you know, it's you see the best in people. Yeah. So have you have you seen then that this situation hasn't really made you know companies say no, what's mine is is mine, and I can't share it just in case. Have you have you seen that the yeah. actual the actual opposite happen? It's more like I've got little something you know i might go through shit but i'm still gonna share it with you have you have you seen like a lot of that sort of uh, behavior uh, going on time and time again throughout the community um it's been very strong very strong Hmm. and um how has this affected you guys at aim how has that affected internally that's a good question uh for us it's been an existential moment because Hmm. as a Listen, you know, AIM runs on very tight budgets. You know, you don't yeah. you don't just take a job at AIM because it's going to pay you a fortune. As a, our team has each, everybody in our team has a very strong sense of mission and yeah. of, uh, you know, um, of commitment to, to our cause of the independent community. So in a moment like this of crisis, um, I remember when lockdown first happened and mm. we, we got together as a team virtually and we had a conversation about it. and. And we were talking about the fact that, you know, if, if AIM doesn't count now, if AIM can't make a difference now, why mm. on earth do we exist? So, so we saw ourselves as needing to be kind of like the NHS or like the BBC to our community to be yeah. solid, strong, reliable, informative, helpful, supportive. You know, we need to be all of those things. And we needed to get out in front of it. And, and so we rolled out a huge, I mean, the team have never worked so hard in their lives. We have a, every morning, uh, we get together and mm-hmm. have a little team check-in. We have, beyond that, we have our normal weekly meetings, those kind of things. But we, the yeah. productivity of a team has been extraordinary. And, and they have been truly remarkable, all of them, through this crisis. And you can see it. You can see it in the virtual events that we've run in the webinars that we, we're delivering, two to three webinars a week sometimes. We've done the big events like AIM House, where we had 14,000 people attend from 86 different countries. Um, mm. we've, 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 we've taken the approach that we need to figure out everything our businesses can do to operate in corona and really double down on it, say, Okay, here are all the things it is possible to do. So let's make sure you you know what they are. You've got the skills to do them. You can maximize the opportunity and it, it's not ideal. We could dwell yeah. on all the stuff you can't do, but actually let's talk about what you can do. And and that that relentlessly positive focus on the art of the possible, I think um, has, has been a remarkable um, achievement to just deliver time and time again. Every time the government advice changes, Every time there's an opportunity mm. to lobby the government, every time there's, you know, um, today I'm on two different calls with two different government ministers today to just keep the pressure up, make sure that we get as much as we can, as much attention, focus and support for our sector as we can to do the best that we can for, for the people that need it. Wow, that's 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 amazing, Paul. Like, <laughs> no, I'm telling you, it, it sounds... It, it, it sounds it sounds great to see you know there's there's people out there that have so much passion to make sure that you know music is still being supported 
and yeah, I know. I, it's I, I think it's very moving that the way that you just they just put it. To be honest, thank you, thank you. But uh, you know, we I, I take it very seriously. You know, our members totally yeah pay us to be there for them. With that's our whole reason for existing, and and you know it, it does. It's one of those moments where you've got to step up. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Like. Guys, if you're not a member of AIM, this should just make you be a member now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very supportive, you know. It's like what Paul said earlier. He works with people that they say they're going to do something and they do it. And, you know, they clearly are doing exactly the same. You know, they say we're, we're here to help and they move their ass and then make sure they're working hard to ensure that they actually are supporting so I think it's, it, I think it's amazing, amazing work that's being done, and it's great to hear from you as well. Is you know, I I've, I've followed AIM for many years, and I can see what you guys do and stuff. But it's really great to actually see that the key person, the representative of the organization, is as passionate as everyone is expected to be within the organization. So it's absolutely fantastic. Um. So hey, Paul, just a as a final question that I've got for you is what do you see as a outcome of lockdown and COVID? What do you see as new opportunities for um, independent music business? Mm. Ooh, another, another easy question. No, <laughs> you're asking the deep, the deep ones today. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think, think you're getting, I think that you're getting quite deep. I quite, I quite like that you get really getting into... Oh, yeah, let's not muck about. No, 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 no. Let's go straight to the heart of it. I I think there are some fundamental changes at play, and I don't think we will understand them for some time to come. And I think Mm. the music industry is always a microcosm of uh, the wider world. Yeah. Mm. And I think we're seeing elements of that right now. Um, I think everything... All these themes that we're seeing around us are interconnected. So um, I think there is a fundamental reboot going on of people's idea of the social contract, the contract between the citizen and the state. Mm-hmm. I think that we've all played our part. We've, we've all understood that for the collective good of society, we have to limit our freedoms. We have to lock down. We have to behave. We have to obey the rules. Okay. Yeah. And everyone's done that. Everyone's made that decision very consciously for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in the UK, we see something like the situation with Dominic Cummings. And it, and it feels like it sets fire to the social contract. It feels like it, it destroys yeah. the government's moral authority. And we say, well, we've done our bit. What are you doing? And then, yeah. and then the situation in the US with George Floyd. And we see a literal representation of the state, you know, state-sponsored murder of citizens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of the injustice, the, 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 the background, the history, the context of that moment. And suddenly, it's not an isolated problem for one section of the community. Suddenly, no, 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 all of us as society are thinking about, I think, our contract with the state yeah. and that relationship. And suddenly, it's, it's, I think this, we see a massive outpouring, a massive sharing of concern for that moment and urgency to change. This is happening around us in society. That 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 re uh, refresh of our understanding of what it is to be part of society. I think I would like to think we're going to see a huge vote, a huge surge. Sorry, in voter turnout, in whenever the next 
sets of elections are around the world, I think people are going to feel like activated citizens, part of their communities. And I think that's really positive. I think the other thing I would say is we've still got this global perspective, but lockdown Mm -hmm. has made all of our worlds in some ways much smaller. Everybody's thinking about their local community. Everybody's thinking about their block, their their apartment block, the, the block on their street their little town, their community, everyone's thinking, oh, I heard someone playing music down the street. Who is that? So I think there's going to be a really interesting shift to small localized events and, and, and you know, people taking an interest in local music, local bands. I think that's going mm-hmm. to be a shift that's going to be very interesting. Um, and I think all of those social themes, all of those broader themes about society, for me, explain or at least tally with or align with the debate starting to be had in the music industry again about the treatment of artists about the way the money flows about the this this uh, reflection of social injustice the haves and have nots the the rich get richer um it's a winner takes all market all of those things are being expressed now within the music industry so i always i always feel that music mirrors society and expresses somehow what's going on in society in its own ways and i think Something I've observed, I've, I've often heard over the last few years that, that artists no longer sing protest songs, which I don't think is true. But, but I hear that as a criticism. Why don't artists mm. speak up about the, the political themes of the day in the way that they might have done in the 60s, 70s, 80s? And, and I actually disagree. I think artists are speaking as loudly as they ever have done about the politics and society of the day. But... It's not necessarily being done within the individual songs. It is sometimes, but it's also yeah. being done at a meta level. It's also being done um, in the campaigning that's going on against the system because it's the structures and the system that people are more worried about now. People are more worried about the death of democracy than I think they mm-hmm. are about maybe which individual political party is in power. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that reflected in, 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 in what's happening within the music industry. So I think we have to enable those conversations, even if they're uncomfortable, to instigate change, whether that's, you know, combating racism, promoting and, and giving platforms to the, to the underrepresented voices that need support and need bringing to the foreground. I think it's about uh, making sure that, that that culture of exploitation becomes a thing of the past. In the, in the independent community, we're, I'm, you know, pleased that so much has already been done to you know, uh, with things like the Fair Digital Deals Declaration to share revenues properly with artists and be transparent. All of those things are very positive. We need to double down Mm. and do more. We mustn't be complacent. But that fundamental sense that there is a culture of exploitation in music and in society needs to change. And it feels Mm -hmm. like maybe one of the positive outcomes of COVID and lockdown is that we collectively work to change it. I really like you. (laughs) <laughs> I like you too. <laughs> um, can I ask you nice. something very quickly? Uh, yeah. you, you did did you talk about um, artists getting paid fairly? Mm. Um, what what's been the role of AIM in in trying to get that done? And um, trying to you know making sure at the end of the day, if artists are not getting paid, then they've got no money to support their music. If they don't have money mm. to support their music, no one's making music. So then no one will have a job essentially, and. I think it's really interesting that you 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 know you you just spoke about this. So what what's been your role in trying to support for artists to get paid right? Have you been talking to say for example the 
streaming platforms? Have you spoken to the PRS or what, what, what's been the role to mm. try and ensure that, that that's happening? So I'd say, uh, to be really clear, AIM, AIM is a not-for-profit organization funded by our members, okay? Yeah. So we, we follow the mandate given to us by our members. Our members tell us where we should stand on these issues, and they, they're pretty vocal about it. And, 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 mm-hmm. and they themselves have led in innovation of business models, innovation of contract and deal types, um, and, and they're the ones that have stood up and said, no, we, you know, their businesses don't need to be slash and burn businesses to work, you know, this, sort of, uh, and, and I think, so I'd say a couple of things. One, um, the independent community is, is sort of highly vaporized. It's lots of tiny businesses really, you know, but they do cluster at times in order mm. to, to take advantage of their collective strength. They've done some incredible strategic things over the years. The formation of Merlin, for example, which is a global licensing agency for the independent community. That's enabled the independents to access deal terms on the same uh, basis, with the same negotiating leverage as any of the individual majors. So, So we know that we get just as good a deal as any of the biggest companies in the world, even if you're the mm-hmm. smallest independent. Through Merlin, you can access those deal terms and you can build a proper business in music. It's not like trying to get your uh, your new chocolate bar on the um, shelf of a supermarket and you're just a little individual mm-hmm. chocolate bar maker and they're like you know the massive supermarket and you've got no negotiating power. Well, well Merlin solved yeah. that problem, which is enormously powerful. Um, the second thing I would say is, is that there's a kind of completely different business model in play between the independent sector and the, and the major labels. And I think that's becoming more and more clear. We both work in music, but again, it's like you've got the giant supermarkets and then you've got everybody else. And it's, mm. just, a, it's just a slightly different concept of, you know, not, I think on the one hand, everybody's fighting for chart position, but in the independent community, chart position is very rarely a debate. The debate is always around actually how you build long-term sustainable careers, how you add value, mm-hmm. how you generate real revenues. It's not just like the in big big businesses. It's often about like the politics of revenues. So it's it doesn't mm. so long as you get to number one, it almost doesn't matter how much you spend. Whereas in an, in an independent company, it's all about how much you spend and how much you earn because it's you know it's the cash flow is right in front of you and it's not like yeah. you're sitting on a mountain of money. So <clears throat> so you have to be mm. really careful. So you ha- I think you have much more real conversations about okay, here's what we want to achieve, here's what we're going to invest, here's what we need to get back. Let's see how that looks, and that makes those conversations way easier to have with artists, with platforms, with 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 your teams. You know, it's 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 just clearer and the opportunity to be up front. Totally. Yep. I'm personally learning a lot. Uh, I hope that everyone that's lo- uh, listening is learning from Paul. I actually did not expect to, to leave feeling like this. Like I'm feeling moved. I've learned. I had fun. Uh, it's, been, it's been really cool. Um, Thank you. I'm going to have to review. I'm going to have to review now this conversation again and trying to process it i think it's 
it's been more insightful and passionate than what I expected. So, so, <laughs> so hey, listen, so, yeah. you know, uh, I think if you lose track of why you're in this business, it's very mm. easy to lose your way. Uh, and What's I think, really interesting about that, though, what mm-hmm, is really interesting mm-hmm. about that is that you did lose track at some point and then came back. Yeah. And gain it again. It's true. It's true. So that's what, that's what I think is very inspirational as well, is the fact that, you know, you, you kind of went one way, then realized, no, I need to, I've got a, a much bigger purpose than just try and make money. I need to do something that's going to be good for the music community. And that's what you're doing. So I think it's just from the start, like, Paul, you've been an absolute discovery to, to me. I think really, really cool, man. Thanks, Alex. It's been it's been great to do this. Thank you for having me on the on the podcast. And um, you know, I hope I hope it's useful to people out there. And and I would say, look, you mm. know, everybody's struggling right now. Um, it, there are a lot of free resources, advice, and um, access to stuff available through AIM through the AIM website. You know, it's not that you have to pay all the time to access stuff that we do. Um, if people are out there, if they're struggling, if they want advice or help. Um, you know, when we are there for our members, um, but we yep. have a mission to support the whole independent community. So come talk to us. Um, of course, I, I would love everybody to join AIM. I think it's a, it, it reinforces the power of, of the whole independent community mm. when people do join and support. But, but, you know, in the first instance, just, just reach out because we're there to help. Thank you so much, Paul. My pleasure. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining for another episode of Small Talk No More. We'll see you next week for another chat. See you later.